of excitement, which is probably fitting, kind of two weeks out from Easter. There's probably uh, lots of excitement starting to brew in the air. Uh, maybe you're excited to eat too much chocolate and not get in trouble for it. Um, maybe those hot cross buns on Sunday, they sound pretty good. I'd happily eat one on Christmas Day if they let me. Um, but hot cross buns are great. And it's not just food because there's holidays, there's long weekends uh, around the corner. Um, there's lots of good things to look forward to and excitement's building. I think uh, as I think about some of the most exciting things in my life, uh, I think the arrival of my first child... Um, for my wife and Sophia, my wife Sophia and I, it was Christmas, Christmas Eve, twenty eighteen, uh, and after all this really hard work, I was completely exhausted, uh, and I'm sure Sophia found it hard as well. But um, you, you just can't explain the feeling, can you? Holding the first child, um, and you can't help but share the joy. I just found myself. I just needed to tell everyone. Uh, I think I was excited kind of with the second and third, but it may have died off a little bit by then. But um, a lot of excitement can be like that, can't it? It, uh, A a really intense moment of joy that can fizzle. Um, Like the hundredth date isn't the same as the first date. Uh, The the day of marriage isn't the same as the 50th anniversary. Uh, The arrival of the baby isn't the same as the arrival of the toddler tantrums either. Um, But along the way, the relationships deepen, don't they? And there's moments when you see the kid who's driven you mad all day (laughs) and finally you see them in a different light and just, oh, what an angel. Um, It's usually because they're asleep. But but you see it afresh, the joy that you have. It might be the birthday of a best friend and, and that day is a reflection where you just can thank God for the great friendship you have. Uh, Well, my hope this morning is that as we read this, it might be a little bit like a moment like that, where for some of us, maybe some of us here have never considered these events, and it's a great place to start, but for many of us, it's about recalling afresh the things that we love about our Saviour. And I think you can notice it just by reading this passage, how excited people are. Uh, There's people professing, uh, one after another, it's the talk of the town, and they're They're saying, look, he's here. The one we're waiting for has come. And amidst all this excitement, we see John records the first words of Jesus in this gospel. Um, So have a look at verse 38. He wants us to notice something about how we come to this passage. Verse 38, Jesus says his first words, what do you want? I don't think John included those words by accident. Um, John didn't just hand this in the night before it was due. Uh, He's had decades to reflect on this. Uh, He's carefully put it together and at the outset, as we come to meet Jesus, he says it matters what we're looking for. What do you want, says Jesus? Because I think it is possible, and I know this in myself, that the most exciting news in history can just get a bit old. Familiarity just breeds contempt. And as exciting as these events are, I've been convicted this week of that as I've been looking at it for myself, but I've also been convicted of my own heart that just wanders. So many other things that I want. And so Jesus says, what what do you want? Well, the first thing we're going to dig into, you can see where we're going on the screen. There's two, two points I want to go through today. But to see the worthiness of Jesus that he's the promised lamb of God, 
And then I want to show you the pattern in this narrative. As we come to see who Jesus is, we go and tell. So that's where we're going. Jesus is the promised Lamb of God. Uh, Let's pick it up. Open your Bible there. Uh, Verse 29 is where we're going to start. You don't know me, so make sure you follow closely. Make sure what we're hearing is from God's Word. Uh, Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming. I don't know if you could imagine that moment, but for John, you lay your eyes on the one that your whole nation, your whole history has been waiting for. And John sees him coming and he knows his role. So John's role, he's got to sing the entry song, right? Uh, John here is talking about John the Baptist and his whole life is really just getting ready for Jesus. He sings the entry song. He tells us that in verse 31, that he baptises to make him known. So what's the song that he's going to sing? What's the tune that he's going to, uh, Jesus is going to arrive to? In verse 29, keep reading it. It says, where am I? <laughs> I've lost it, sorry. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one sent from God as a lamb. And I think that's a surprising image as I think about that. Uh, Because a lamb, it's a weak animal, often helpless and devoured. And for someone of such importance to come as a lamb. And you, you see the contrast, just the next verse, verse 30. He says... This is John kind of halfway through there. He says, and this is a man who comes after me, has surpassed me because he was before me. He comes as the one John's kind of already written about. He's the one who comes in flesh as God. God entered history. The one who made time steps into time and he enters the world as a lamb. And that is a radical view of God, isn't it? from the highest of heights in heaven to humility. So why would he do that? Well, he comes in weakness to save. John tells us that he's a lamb on a mission. It keeps going there as you read it. He's come to take away the sin of the world. Uh, The Old Testament, um, the kind of the bit written, first kind of two-thirds of our Bible today, uh, is written with... um, It's written before Jesus arrives, this bit, and it's full of lambs everywhere. There's lambs all over the place, but they never really last very long um, because they get killed often, sacrificed. Uh, It's part of God's system that he set up to prove something that we all need to know, that sin isn't just about stopping being naughty and start being nice. Sin is something so serious that something has to die. Often it's a lamb, sacrificed in the place of the sinner. But John now says, here's the lamb. Here's the lamb of God. The one who will die in the place of sinners. Uh, Not a sacrifice from a farm, but a sacrifice sent from God himself from heaven. And it doesn't just show us how bad sin is. It does do that. But it's a sacrifice that will actually take sin away. Because we could never get to God, and so God comes to us ready to die as a lamb. But, but how does being a lamb take away sin? Well, what John says next is another kind of throwback to the Old Testament. Uh, so have a look there at verse 33. He says, And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one 
who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So John is told, uh, you, look on, you look for the one on whom God's Spirit rests. He's the chosen one. Look out for that one. Uh, and this brings us to the passage that we had read out for us earlier. It's Isaiah 53, one of the servant songs in Isaiah. Uh, these songs are about the servant who's God's anointed with his spirit. Uh, and you can see what this servant does if we look on the screens together to Isaiah 53. Uh, I, I just find it so astonishing that this is written 700 years before Jesus that it gives me so much confidence in scripture. Uh, but look at what the servant does, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The servant acts like a lamb going to the slaughter, and he does it in our place. So he's pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that should be on me and should have gone on us. It's placed on him instead. And by the wounds on this lamb led away to slaughter, we can come back to God and be his children. My sin goes on him. Uh, We've had some devastating floods in recent times, and forgive me, this is quite a sobering story, but um, I remember about a decade ago in Queensland there were some floods, and there was this story of these two brothers, um, Jordan and Blake Rice, uh, their mum was trying to get away from the flood, the kids are in the back and they're trying to get away but they get stuck in Toowoomba and as the flood waters are rising, they're in their car, um, the, she calls the emergency and they say, um, we'll make sure you stay there and we'll come because we know where you are and we'll come and get you. Um, but the flood waters are rising before they can get there so they're on the roof of the car uh, and a bystander wraps a rope around himself and swims out to try and get them. Uh, and as the man goes to grab Jordan, the older brother, uh, Jordan said to him, said, no, take my brother first. Um, and those, those were Jordan's last words. Uh, Jordan died a sacrificial death, dying so that his brother didn't have to. And that, that's a story of a, a, a very young, but a very brave, heroic young man. Uh, and it's just a picture, isn't it, of the incredible thing that Jesus has done for you if your trust is in him. For us sinners, there is no better news, is there, than that John, than John's theme song here, that Jesus is the lamb who takes away our sin. So I don't know, um, as you think about what do you want, as Jesus asked that question, what does excite our heart? Well, there's nothing better than this, is there? That Jesus died to save you. Jesus is the lamb who shows us the incredible love of God. Uh, And he also shows us the incredible horror of sin. Sin makes it impossible for us to be with God, a holy God. And perhaps you feel that on your conscience, your sin. Maybe this week in particular, a secret sin that just grows in the dark. The addiction, the lack of control with whatever it is. 
the way you treat kids or colleagues, uh, those things, they're not okay. We must repent. But Jesus was willing to die as if he was you in your worst. And he says to the father, no, take him first. Take her first. Let me take the punishment instead. There is no more exciting news, is there, for a guilty conscience that Jesus is here to save. But maybe it's, it's not always easy to feel the weight of our sin, I think, and because it's such a massive problem and it can be overwhelming, but one of the things we can do is see what it took to take it away. For sin to be dealt with, God the Son, in eternity, he comes in flesh in our world, And that's what it takes, his death in our place. Nothing else would have worked. This announcement is the greatest news in history, that Jesus takes away your sin. He's the lamb we need. And this passage, it lifts my soul because of how incredible the news of Jesus is. And no wonder that people are excited and telling everyone they can, because it's such good news that it has to get out. The things that we get excited about, they have to get out. We can't help it. Uh, And so this is news that is worth sharing. It's such worthwhile news to share. Um, And I think this passage helps us see that pattern roll out because people who come and see, they then go and tell. That's the second thing you see in this passage. So have a look at verse 34. It's a pattern that starts here, but it's been rolling on for 2,000 years. John the Baptist kicks it off in verse 34. He says, I have seen... And I testify that this is God's chosen one. I see it, and so now I'm saying it. Um, Captured by who this man is, he testifies to it. This is the one we've been waiting for. And with Jesus' arrival, John moves to the background. He's sung his song. Um, The disciples that were following him now start following Jesus. uh, And two of them go up to Jesus and they say, um, uh, what do they say? They say, teacher. Where are you staying? They want to know more. In verse 39, Jesus says, Come and you will see. Andrew is one of those people that are following him and he's picked up the bug. Uh, he's, he's got what's going on here. Uh, he's seen and look what he does in verse 41. He says, The first thing Andrew did, the first thing, was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, the Christ. John first, now Andrew. He then tells Simon, this is the Simon who would later stand up in front of thousands at Pentecost and more after that. He he got it. Because people who come and see, they go and tell. The next day it happens again, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and he says, we found the one. The one written about thousands of years ago. He's here now. Um, But now in Nathaniel, we meet our first skeptic. Uh, He says this, verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Surely not. That random little town, right? The chosen one, the one we're waiting for, surely he's not from there. Um, I don't know uh, if I was to tell you that the King of England's just arrived um, and his first spot, he's just landed, right? And and now he's in Kangiangi. I don't know, does anyone here know where Kangiangi is? I thought it'd be safe, right? Um, it's a little town. It's about the same distance from here to there as Nazareth is from where these people are. Um, and it's a town of a similar size, about 300 people, just about an hour north of here. 
Surely not Kangi Angi, right? The king's not there. No way. Um, and the skeptic's got a point. Like, how can such a massive event in history be on the smallest stage? So notice, though, how Philip responds. Um, he doesn't get into a deep philosophical debate. Maybe there's a place for that sometimes. But he knows what every skeptic needs and maybe what your friends need and family. He just says this, come and see. Nathaniel, he might be a slightly easier skeptic than some of the people that we interact with, but every skeptic on the planet, they will change. By God's grace, he will transform the skeptic if they just honestly, honest inquiry, come and see. This, the, the coming and seeing turns skeptics into saints. And you see that in verse 49 with Nathaniel. See what he says about Jesus. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Time and time again, this is the story of the skeptic, isn't it? They set out to disprove the whole craziness of Christianity. uh, And time and time again, they come to see the truth of it. Uh, You may have heard uh, the story of Lee Strobel. Uh, uh, He's got his journey in a few different books. Uh, This is a nice little small one that you you could read for yourself if you're interested, but... It's a great one for a friend, especially during this time. It's called A Case for Esa. Uh, this guy was an atheist and his wife became a Christian and almost, it's probably fueled by rage as much as anything else, um, he goes out and sets out to disprove the whole thing. And so he's a journalist, so he's, he does his research, he interviews people, but by the end of it, he just can't refute it. Uh, and Lee Strobel, he came to see. He gave his life to Jesus. And under the power of God, by his mercy, this is what happens. People come and see. We invite them to hear him. We, we open the word with them. Uh, we witness with our lives and our words in big ways or small ways. And God reveals himself in his son. Because people who come and see, they then go and tell. Uh, this pattern didn't stop in the end of this chapter. Uh, a few years ago, I was helping out at a week of mission just like this one we're about to embark on together Uh, and we were doing some door knocking uh, and we're just kind of inviting people to some events that we're running much like some of the events that are happening here this week and uh, one of the ladies who got door knocked one lady who got door knocked she she was very intrigued she's listening I'm keen to hear more and so she came along to one of our events uh, and she came and she was struck again hearing these things Uh, she didn't have kind of any background in Christianity or anything like that. And after about nine months of coming along, so it took time, but nine months of coming and asking questions, investigating, she came and she saw. Uh, God opened her eyes and she became a child of God. Isn't that amazing? It happens. Uh, A friend I study with, um, he was telling me that his church, which is on Oxford Street, that was set up during the Mardi Gras parades that were happening a couple of weeks ago, uh, they were welcoming people to come and hear some things and they put sausages on a barbecue, which usually works well. Um, but that night, when tens of thousands of people are just living as if God's not there, uh, someone that night came to see. Someone put their trust in Jesus that night. Uh, and a dozen others, I think, came to church the next day. Um, so what about us? What about us this week, particularly this Easter period, This passage, I think it's an incredible reminder of the treasure it is to know Jesus. 
the exciting, joyful news of having a saviour. He's too big a deal. He's too big to keep quiet, isn't he? And, and it's excitement, as we really see it honestly, it's excitement in our bones. That we, it has to come out. We can't help but speak. And maybe this week, um, it's an opportunity to step out a little bit. Uh, maybe you're doing a great job at this, but I know for myself, I need this reminder. Um, maybe it's just a conversation to invite someone along. One of the events that are coming. That might be a massive step for you. Um, grabbing a flyer and kind of handing it out to someone. Uh, but what might God do with that? Because people need this saviour. Maybe you can do more. Maybe, maybe it's um, even telling people that you haven't told yet that you're a Christian, that you interact with. Um, maybe you can start showing them some of the things of Jesus. You can grab that book for them, invite them to these events. Who are the people that we can welcome this week to come and see? Because Jesus is too good. He really is the desire, desire of our heart and so we speak about the one we love. How about I pray for us that we would do that this week? Father, we thank you that you are the God who would send your son in the weakness of flesh, acting like our lamb, to take away our sin. Lord, it, it blows us away that you treat sinners like that. Our Father, please transform our hearts as we see Jesus and help us be bold to speak of him. Please, would you give us boldness, give us your spirit. Please, Lord, help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.